We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Floyd Street's Finest. He's Coach Mark Lieberman. I'm Jack Grossman. Thanks so much for tuning in. Got a lot to talk about today. Obviously, talking everything Louisville basketball, the cards drop a game to Chattanooga. We're going to get into that. The Empire Classic is coming up this weekend. Um, Something that's going to be a little interesting, I think, for Louisville. We'll get into that as well. Obviously, they do play Coppin State on Wednesday, who is one of the worst teams in Division One, according to Ken Palm. And you can't really take anything for granted for Louisville at this point, but that's that that that's a that's a conversation up within itself. That game with Coppin State. But coach Louisville loses to Chattanooga Friday night in a game that really wasn't very competitive. Let, let, let's be honest. I mean Chattanooga pushed that lead out in the second half and Louisville made a run, got within seven at one point late. But it was all kind of just window dressing on on kind of what happened in that game. Louisville, I'll put it this way. To me, it looked like a typical early season scrappy. Well, not scrappy is probably the best way to put it. But just mid-major versus high-major team to where the the mid-major team just hangs around most of the game. And then, and, and then the high-major team wakes up and pulls away early in the second half. Except... The roles were reversed. Usually Louisville would be the team. That's the high major team pulling away. Chattanooga looked like the better team pretty much all game. And Mm -hmm. that's pretty disturbing for Louisville fans. I don't know how surprising it is at this stage, but I want to get into some of the things that happened, especially, you know, the three-point defense, um, turnovers, all that stuff. But just what what were your thoughts just watching Louisville and Chattanooga? And really Chattanooga just kind of taking Louisville and getting whatever they wanted offensively against that team. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that you've you, know, you talked about them just being high major and, and turning on so far and through their exhibition games and their first two regular season games. They just they don't look like a team that knows who they are. 
Um, you know, Chattanooga comes in. They know that they want to spread the floor. They're going to run Zoom action and handoffs and, and spread you out and get out in transition. And they did that. And Louisville didn't take any of that stuff away. And then offensively, um, until when they realized, look, we're down 18, 20 points, you know, they started to attack the rim. And, you know, that's when teams, you know, that can kind of be like fool's gold at times because, you know, uh, guys can put up stats late in games and get fouled because teams are just kind of coasting when they get big leads like Chattanooga had in the second half of 20. Yeah, and it's one of those things where you look at it, Chattanooga, they said this at the top of the TV broadcast. They made more threes per game than any other team in Division One last year, 11.8 threes per game. Even with all the new guys they brought in, you knew they want to shoot the three ball. That's how they're going to stay in the game. That's how they're going to win games. That's how they're going to be competitive. And I don't think there was really much of a sense of urgency from Louisville of, okay, we got to get out, defend the three, take away the three ball. They used that zoom action, get in the lane, Louisville over-collapsed, left guys wide open. And to me, it was, I, I, I'll put it this way. The, the defining moment of that game for me was Chattanooga hits eight threes in the first half. You knew the game plan had to be take away the three-point shot based off of everything we knew about Chattanooga. You would think at halftime, Kenny Payne would be emphasizing, don't give up open threes, don't give up open threes, don't give up open threes. The first possession out of halftime, what do they do? They give up a wide open three-point bucket. To me, that's kind of all you need to see from this Louisville team at this point. The number one well, thing on the scouting yeah. yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. I'll say the number one thing on the scouting board for that game was you can't let them shoot the three. And Louisville either didn't have that scouting report or didn't follow that scouting report. And either way you look at it, it's really, really bad looking at the at the at that. Uh, just how easy Chattanooga was able to shoot the three ball within its offense and and how many good, easy, comfortable looks they were able to get. Well, they got a bunch in transition. They got some off second shots. And, and basically, if your defensive uh foundation isn't sound. So some of those zooms, which are basically just dribble handoffs, guys were hung up on screens. There was pick and pop opportunities. Guys were not alert. Off the ball is what makes you great defensively. And bad things happen when the ball's in flight if you're not in, in prepared and understanding what teams are trying to do. So there were times that were late. They were setting um, some flares, but guys were coming off actions. They were getting open in transition, second shots. So it's not so much – you know, the mindset of, okay, well, we got to guard the three. It's, you've got to do your stuff early. You got to be sound defensively. You have to have a base defense to understand, okay, you know, if teams are going to make tough contested shots, that's one thing. But when you're, when you're allowing teams to get into their offense so easily and create open shots, that's a whole different ball game. Right. That's the thing. It's not always just, you know, one pass and just, someone's not playing denial defense, you give up a wide open wing three. It's it's the result of everything else going wrong that leads to the wide open three. Two of them early in the game, I mean, we can talk about now with the rebounding. I, mean, I thought Brandon Huntley Hatfield was actually really aggressive on the glass. He had 14 rebounds. He was, you know, the only big man, I felt like, on Louisville's roster that kind of had that sense of urgency of, okay, we got to clean up possession. We got to get to the board. Louisville's guards, I mean, uh, um, uh, Mike James and uh, Trey White didn't do a bad job on the glass either, but you look at the rest of Louisville's front line, other than than Huntley Hadfield. The rest of Louisville's front line had eight total rebounds, and four of them came from Emmanuel Okoafor, who only played six minutes in the game. I mean, you look at J.J. Trainer, one rebound, 20 minutes. Dennis Evans, three rebounds, 15 minutes. 
those are two guys that you need to be able to crash the glass. I get it, they're not your stereotypical big men. They're not exactly the strongest players. But if you're going to play those two guys big minutes, you're going to need to rebound the ball better. And you look at when Huntley Hatfield came off the floor early in the first half, where Chattanooga kind of established itself. They brought in a Koafor and J.J. Trainer. They had two different possessions in the first two, three minutes that both those guys were in, where Chattanooga got multiple offensive rebounds and hit open threes off of those offensive rebounds. To where it's almost like one problem, you know, they they, they complement each other in a bad way. The turnovers as well. You talk about them giving up threes to transition. Louisville, 15, 16 turnovers again. Can't take care of the ball. To where where you look at the end result of the three-point basket, really killing them. And it's all the other issues that are leading to the big issue that really cost him the game, I feel like. Well, I, I think what the, 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 the type of shots that, that Chattanooga was taking, you know, that 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 really is uh, a part of the guard's job as well. Um, and if you know this, just from a technical standpoint, you know, on, on all those attempts, and I've mentioned this before, Louisville was taking a step in. Anytime there's a three-point shot, and you got to take a step back towards your guy to try and hit him because long shots, long rebounds. So those were opportunities for guards to clean them up. Um, some of the baskets that were inside that were missed, you know, Hatfield was able to get a few of those. Um, but, you know, and rebounding out of your area for guys like J.J. and Okorafor, yeah, that's important. But those are opportunities for guards to really establish themselves. If you watch it, they're not hitting bodies. So a lot of those plays, you know, you know, blaming, you know, all the bigs, that's one thing. But the guards aren't hitting either, so guys are stepping in. Um, there's a couple times the bigs didn't hit, and those balls get tipped. And if you don't come up with those opportunities, and, and another great point about rebounding the basketball for guards, you initiate the break right away. If a Trey White, if a Mike James, if a Sky Clark rebounds, they can just get, get out and go. You don't have to worry about an outlet. You don't have to worry about just shaving off a point eight seconds off the clock. You can get it and, uh, and establish your – you know, your transition game. But, yeah, rebounding, you know, as Pat Riley says, no rebounds, no rings. If, if you can't rebound the basketball and you give second-chance opportunities, these, this is Chattanooga and UMBC. When they start, as you mentioned earlier, and, and you know, they start playing teams like Texas and Indiana or, or Connecticut, I mean, that's a, it's a different thing. Yeah, which I got some thoughts on on, on a Louisville-Indiana matchup. I'll, I'll give you at the end of this podcast because uh, it uh, just – Quick note, Indiana does not look good either. <laughs> they have a lot of the same problems Louisville has. I'll, I'll get to that at the back end of the end of the podcast here, a potential Louisville-Indiana matchup. But but you look at the rebound and be like, Trey White and and um and Mike James did combine for 11 rebounds, but you know, they could have done more. And and that's something you talked about a couple weeks ago. Like that was about two weeks ago. You mentioned that after the Kentucky Wesleyan game of Louisville taking the step in instead of the, the step back on long rebounds. You've had two weeks to work on that. And and again, it goes back to you haven't been able to improve and make adjustments to, to you know, what's going wrong. In, the, in this case, it's you got to be more aware. If you take a long shot, it's going to be a longer rebound. And you talk about, you know, getting out in transition, that would be very helpful for a Louisville team that struggles on the offensive end to be able – to you know, score points and get easy buckets. So with with the struggles mm-hmm. they've had, that when you know, they made that run late in the game when it was kind of decided that fool's gold run, kind of like you called it, it was you know them forcing turnovers, pressing, and getting into transition. I I don't think it's you know a very long term solution to go back and try to play like the Rick Pitino, Denny Crumb style pressing it for forty minutes a game. Well, they, they they haven't right. They haven't worked right. on it. That's not their philosophy. 
So that's not something that, that look, and against better guards, um, that's they not can going carve to you up with certain things. Right. You know, you're going to go against, you know, ACC teams. You're not going to be able to do that unless you've been doing it since the summer and that's your identity. Um, you know, when you talked about the rebounds for, for Trey White and Mike James, you know, some of those things, though, critical rebounds is a category that I chart as well. And, and those are plays that, that, you know, that are important depending on time and score and plus and minus and so on. And, and yeah, and look, uh, I'd love to see this team have a big run to the rim. I'd love to see this team have a, a big, as a trailer, uh, set a random ball screen or go set a, a wide pin down to get different actions, to create driving lanes for these guards. Uh, you know, that's just, a, again, part of the issue that this team is is struggling with, finding who they are and finding that identity offensively and defensively. Right, that's something we talked about a lot last week because, you know, I'll be fully transparent. They're, they're, I mean, and we obviously hit on it on last week's podcast, but there were, you know, they won the game o- over UMBC. There were obviously things, especially on the defensive end, that were like, okay, that doesn't look good. On the offensive end, yes, they were able to get to the paint at will, but but the question was, could they do that against better competition? And yes, we thought about Chattanooga as that as well. But you know, once you get to the Texases and and the Kentuckys and ACC play, to where you know, can you just get to the bucket whenever you want? And we saw that against Chattanooga. No, they couldn't. They 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 still you know had some right. success getting the paint, but they weren't able to. To where you look at it and. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Look, there, there's sometimes where I feel like and this is kind of what I thought about about the UMBC game. There were things wrong. 
there were things that weren't great, but at the end of the day, they won the game and they went four and 28 last year to where you kind of like, you put it in the back of your head and say, okay, these are, these are very big issues. But at the end of the day, they sometimes from our point of view, I've out to the coaching staff and, and, and the players have to have to view it differently. It's they won a game. You got to give them credit for winning a game when, when they'd been through kind of what Louisville had been through. However, you, you can't follow that up with playing a better team, a, still a mid-major team, but a better team in Chattanooga and not improve on any of the things that you saw against UMBC or against Kentucky Wesleyan. And on top of that, not be able to um, score the ball as efficiently just because you can't get to the rim whenever you want to against actual competition. And, and well, moving- and that's the thing. Um, like, for, for example, UMBC was pushing up, not switching on ball screens. It was just an, an, just an open lane almost every single time for, for Mike James, for Sky Clark, for Tyler Johnson. What Chattanooga was doing was going under ball screens, was corralling them and making – guys have to shoot jump shots. They were almost daring them to shoot them. They were not letting them getting paint touches or drives to the lane because obviously they saw the UMBC game and they're saying, okay, well, um, and, and you saw that early on, guys were settling for for, for jump shots. Um, now, if you could consistently make that, that's one thing, and that's something to understand that every game, everybody's going to scout you differently. And so for the Chattanooga game, it was they were, they were dropping, they were corralling, they were going under ball screens, they were not letting – guys get into the lane and that's what you saw early on and and throughout the second half as well yeah and i think it becomes a, a very easy thing now for you know even like Coppin state to look at for texas to look at for you know probably indiana to look at on, on monday to where you can say what say okay you, you need to make them beat you with the jump shot before you you adjust to that you go under the ball screens. It's a very, you know, you play drop coverage out of the ball screens. You take away, you know, the easy alley to a Dennis Evans or, or a trainer or something like that. And you say, can the guards hit jump shots after a ball screen? And that to me is a big question right. for Louisville right now because I, I don't really think we've seen them be able to prove that to this point, whether it be a three point jump shot or you get into that, you know, 10, 12, 15 foot range where you can kind of, you know, hit a mid-range jumper mm-hmm. and hit a little floater. Like that's what you have to do against drop coverage or, or when you go under screens. You got to be able to hit jump shots. And, and I think, you know, Chattanooga got to expose that to your point, Louisville, a little bit on that. But, you know, I, I think, like, honestly, if you can't beat Coppin State, you kind of set, set everything else aside and say, okay, the, it, it's – Probably curtains on the season. You know, because I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to exaggerate too much here because, look, it's been four games counting exhibitions, two regular season games, very, very, very long season, and I don't want to be, you know, hot take overreact guy. But following four and twenty eight last year, following the the Wesleyan Chattanooga losses, and knowing the schedule Louisville has coming up with, you know, Texas, then likely Indiana, and then. Then, you know, the ACC and Kentucky, which the ACC, you know, looks better this year than it has the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I still think there's, you know, issues beyond the top two, three of, I think, Duke, despite losing to Arizona, which that was a phenomenal game. I don't know if you got any of that on Friday. I caught Friday. a little bit, not yeah. as much as I wanted to. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great to watch Arizona. You know, it was a it was great punch, counterpunch game. Um, uh, Keyshawn Johnson was great for Arizona. Omar Bala was great. Oh, Larson was in foul trouble, and they still found ways to win. I, I think Arizona was really, really legit in that game, which was fun. But Duke's obviously still going to be there. They got a lot of talent. Um, 
Um, uh, for Miami blasted UCF over the weekend. I think they're they're going to be really good again. Wuga Poplar is a guy that's really starting to ascend like people thought he might. Uh, Virginia got a good win over Florida. Do I think those three teams you feel pretty good about? Beyond that, I think there's still a lot of question marks in the league, but but I think it, I think the league is in a is in a better place than what it's been the last couple of years to where it's and and Louisville struggled mightily in it anyways to where if Louisville still got on that same pace it's been the last couple of years it could be a very long trip in the ACC to where you got to get wins like you just have to find places to get wins and and New Mexico State um the back half of Thanksgiving weekend you know that's a program that hasn't you know been able or that 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 you know folded pretty much for uh pretty scandalous reasons yeah. back in February came back so they're you know behind the eight bar ball there and and cop and state on Wednesday night those are kind of the two games you look at and say okay you need to win these two games to have a chance to salvage anything out of this because you're running out of out no. of games now to where you know I mean I mean you you got to win these non-conference quote unquote cupcake games I mean because I, I don't count Bellarmine yeah I mean games. look yeah. Right. I'll, 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 yeah. Sorry, I've been ranting. Yeah, look, <laughs> no, it's okay. That's hey, hey, it's your show. Um, <laughs> you know, with 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 Cop and State, um, it they're not a very good team. Um, I, I think Louisville will win, but you know, you, you got to see strides. You got to see improvement. You got to see certain things. What what what's certain, what certain what certain things do you need to see from them? In, I mean, in the overall, there's. There, there's just I'd love to see a defensive like that they're consistently defending things a certain way and how you're guarding ball screens because they struggled again with getting and, and you know Mike James and I, I'm, I'm impressed with him on the offensive end defensively you know he's getting taken down on screens he's crumbling on screens at times you know these guys have to have a mindset to dodge and defeat screens not to let teams just get what they want the ball pressure's got to improve I mean, all those things to me on the defensive end are, are paramount if this team wants to have a chance to have, you know, a winning record, uh, even get to a point where they can, I mean, look, win some ACC games. They're going to have to to really grind it out on the defensive end. And I just, I haven't seen that in the four, in the four, the two exhibitions and two regular season games. And that's, that's concerning as far as, okay, is, is that going to happen? Because, look, they can just show up against Coppin State and they can win that game by 10, 15 points with, with not showing improvement. And that, again, can be misleading. Then you go into, you know, three or four days later, Sunday, and you're playing Texas. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, I, I think I agree with you. It starts on the defensive end. Because for a team that's offensively challenged, which which Louisville is, you got to be able to defend to keep yourself in games. And I, I think you look at it and you say, can they, you know, figure out, I said defensive game, but I'll, even on the offensive side, I just want them to look like they look confident in what they're doing and they know what they're doing. Like there, there was a possession in, in the Chattanooga game where there was about eight, five, eight minutes, 15 seconds left in the game. They're down 18. Mm -hmm. Like at that point, it's like, okay, you need to get something. You need to get something going now to have any chance to do anything. And the entire possession was, they were in a one-four low look, which for those who don't know, you had Tyler Johnson dribbling the ball. Then you had four guys basically uh, across the baseline, two on the corners and two on the blocks to where, you know, you can either come up, set a high ball screen, you can get some action off it. It's a fairly common look. But you had a one-four low look and you just kind of sat there for 13, 14 seconds 
and Kenny Payne's on the bench kind of flailing his arms, trying to, you know, yell him to get into something, but they don't look like they know what to get into. Finally, you know, with 12 seconds left in the shot clock, Trey White comes up, they basically do a simple give and go, and, and Johnson, you know, launches um, a contested three that, 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 that he doesn't make, because, you know, that's not good offense, that's not a good shot, and Kenny Payne literally just kind of throws his arms down, down and basically like, okay, I give up. <laughs> Almost the time. Obviously, he's not giving up, but but it was just to me that's kind of a microcosm of Louisville on both sides of the ball right now. They're just indecisive. Yeah. They don't know who they are. They don't know what to do. And and that's a second year in a row of this for Kenny Payne right now. Mm-hmm. And you know, to your point, your offense has to help your defense. You have to get good shots. You have to get to the free throw line within the flow of the offense. You know, I'm doing some clips later today. It's just guys aren't doing stuff. They're they're not sprinting the screens. They're they're basically running through plays instead of reading the. There's a there. There's a few opportunities. The screen the guys aren't looking at. They're just kind of being robotic and running through their stuff. And unless you're gonna get action off high ball screens, which they did against UMBC, you know, with Sky Clark, because UMBC was just, let's just say it, awful defensively. I mean, um, that's gonna. They're not gonna get those looks unless they have really good flow and movement, and the ball doesn't stick and. They know what they're trying to get out of a certain thing. Because right now it's coming down to like mid post, like they're they're getting some ISOs in the mid post with a Trey White, with JJ, with Hatfield. You know he got the charge to start, um, and those guys aren't getting deep post position. I'd like to see them get both feet in the paint. So there's there's just a a myriad of of things I think that could really help this team offensively. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68, each and every week during the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. Before we get out of here, I do want to make sure we talk about the Empire Classic. Is uh, This will be the last chance we get to really talk about it before before they actually play the games. I know you're going to be in New York uh, for the radio calls, correct? Uh, over on 93.9. Uh, it's 50-50 right 50/50? now. Uh, I should know if I'm going. If not, I'll be home watching it. But uh um yeah originally i was supposed to go and so anyway well fair well, we're still working on those details so that, we'll that, see. that's fair well well I, I hope you do get to go you get the the new york trip and see some good games there but, but and I, get a slice of pizza oh so, absolutely yeah. uh cats deli cats yeah. delicatessen also if you've ever been come there. on man come on i, come I on. figured you didn't think I you're figured. talking to i well, figured. jack jeez <laughs> come on jack jack you should well, that, um, that's quickly quickly i'm a corned beef or huh? pastrami and then uh, what, what What do you prefer? And then uh, best slice of pizza in New York. 
Well, there's there's a bunch. Look, you can find pizza at any, you know, every place says the world's best pizza. But look, I have a couple spots that I can go to that that I know um, um, uh, right near the garden that, that have some really good, really good pizza. And then, look, I'm a I'm a hot pastrami um, guy. Um, not a big fan of rye, so I might have it. Really? On some, uh, yeah. You know, just. Uh, Get, you know, some Dijon mustard, some some deli mustard, maybe on some some challah bread. I mean, you All can't. Right, how is that. how is the uh, how is the acceptable substitute? Yeah. I feel like, like so. Uh, my my mom actually got got um uh, threatened to get kicked out of a New York deli one time because she tried to put ketchup on corned beef. Real well, that, yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, that, that's that a no no for dismissal. Yeah, yeah, that that's is it is it absolutely sure. is. But yes. uh, we got to get you uh, down here in Atlanta. There's there's um there's a deli called Rubens downtown that has. As uh, it's not as good as like a Katz's or like a Carnegie up there, but it's like as good as anything else I've had. Where they have, okay. they have really, really good hot pastrami that 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 you would love. Okay. Phenomenal pastrami. But, but I do wanna, I do wanna get get on the Empire Classic. Obviously, Louisville opens with Texas. Not gonna mm-hmm. lie, I, I look at, at those two games Sunday, and I think like if if you're a betting man, which I'm sure a lot of people that listen to this podcast are, I think you can make a pretty good amount of money. Um, uh, from parlaying texas against the spread and uconn <laughs> no matter what the spreads are on that on those two games i think texas and uconn just got to roll those two games because uh, uh we've obviously hit on louisville's issues indiana has really really struggled as well so i want to ask you quickly about about texas but but then i want to and kind of talk about a theoretical louisville indiana matchup because i'll be honest i would be absolutely stunned if we don't get that matchup on monday Texas, obviously, they bring in Max Acemas. They bring back Tyrese Hunter. Mm-hmm. They got Dylan DeSue, Dylan Mitchell, all these guys. They're not a great shooting team, but they are uber, uber, uber athletic. And I look at Louisville and I go, can they match their athleticism and can they play disciplined enough to keep Texas from getting to the rim and crashing the offensive glass whenever they want? Right. Uh, yeah. I-, I wish I could tell you that, yeah, Louisville's going to be able to stop that, but the amount of blow buys that, that have occurred, I mean, they're averaging about 14 and a half blow buys per game. Louisville right now in their first four um, against teams that are not as quick and as athletic as the guys you just mentioned for Texas. So even regardless of shooting, when you can get open shots because they're creating, you talked about Louisville collapsing. I mean, Texas is going to probably be able to get any shot they want. And when bodies come off bodies, which is what happens when you're trying to come over and block a shot like an Evans or, or a, a Huntley Hatfield, then you open up offensive rebound opportunities for Texas is big. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a daunting task for Louisville to go in there and even Texas defensively. Look, we know Rodney Terry is going to have his teams guarding really, really oh, yeah. hard. They get into you. And, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's another factor. So will Louisville be able to be able to get into stuff? How quickly they can get into stuff. Are they going to take bad shots, which can lead to easy opportunities for Texas? So yeah, it's, it's, They've got their work cut out for them, yeah. for sure. With that ball pressure, too, it's going to be really tough oh, yeah. for Louisville to, to take care of the ball. And uh, a team that's already really struggled with turnovers, it's how can you not They haven't not seen turn- that yet. Yeah. yeah. They, haven't seen, they haven't seen that type of pressure that they're going to see on, on Sunday the, this year. Obviously, the teams that are playing them are, are kind of giving room. And you know, we talked about going under ball screens. Texas isn't going to do that. They might blitz. You know, they might hard hedge. You know, they're going to show them recover, and their guys are going to be all over the place. So there's going to be a lot of active guys with length. So, yeah, to, to get – you've got to really shore up some of the things you want to do offensively and ways to attack Texas.
Yeah, and Texas is a team that other than Acemas has that that core group of guys has been around for a couple years now to where they're going to know. Yep. They're going to know, you know, even if they hard hedge, you, you can be like, oh, yeah, no, you'll get Devin Savage roll into the room. No, they're going to rotate, and then they're going to rotate again on the back end to be able to close out on a shooter to where it's going to be well, that's really And that's the other thing, too. Yeah, like Louisville's – like their rolls, and that, that's another point that I've got – you know, they've got to roll hard because it's not usually – you're not going to be able to hit the roller a lot of times. It's the lift guy. It's the opposite guy that you're going to hit because guys have to tag. And Louisville's got to do a much better job if they're going to run those ball screens of guys not just popping, rolling hard. Because it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. If guys can roll hard, you hit the lift, you hit other, you can get easy shots, one extra pass. And that's something that like Texas is just not gonna allow. Yeah. And if they do indeed fall to Texas and uh, UConn does take care of Indiana, that sets up a matchup that honestly I think is a lot more intriguing than what I would have thought thought a couple uh, about a week ago because I didn't have high expectations for Indiana. I thought they'd be, mm-hmm. you know, fine, but they show a lot of the same issues Louisville does. We talked about earlier, you know, a lot of threes don't come off of just, you know, you leave a dude wide open on the wing and it's one pass and a three. Indiana gives up a lot of wide open threes where it's just one pass and a three and, and someone gets lost defensively. Like it, it's, I don't know, Coach, how much you've watched of them. It is... It is alarmingly bad how they defend the perimeter and how many offensive rebounds they give up uh, uh, on, on, on the defensive end. And on the on the other end, they really struggle to take care of the ball. They don't really have a, have a um, identity on the offensive end either to where they've made plays in their first two games to beat Florida Gulf Coast and, and Army to kind of pull away late just because, you know, Xavier Johnson's a good point guard clue where they haven't faced anyone that's big enough to really have a chance to defend him or Malik Renew yet. But Indiana work, Indiana is in a very, very tough spot to where, you know, from game one to game two, they play a worse opponent in Army, and they didn't improve on anything they needed to improve on from the Florida Gulf Coast game. Mm. So I'm not exactly ringing alarm bells yet because Indiana brought in 10 new guys. They're obviously figuring a lot out, especially on the offensive end. But but the kind of the thought process was, okay, you need to figure out a bunch of stuff with the new guys. Guys, the offense is going to be a work in progress. You're going to be able, though, to have – long, lanky, athletic guys on the defensive end where you can suffocate teams. So far, that hasn't been the case. Army against Stonehill College and Marist didn't score more than 55 points in either game. And Indiana lets them hit, I think, 12 threes <laughs> on, on Thursday night. And a lot of them either, again, just simple miscommunications. Malik Renew or Mackenzie and Baco just leave a dude wide open. Or, you know, we talk about ball screen defense. Indiana doesn't know what it's doing defending the ball screen right now. I mean, Xavier Johnson will go under, but where or renew don't hedge out to cover a screen. They just leave dudes wide open routinely and they don't clean up the defensive glass either to where I think Louisville, not that I think Louisville's going to win the game, but I, I don't think it's going to be the same type of game to where, you know, Louisville played a Texas tech team in Maui last year that ended up finishing dead last in the big 12 and they lost like 72 to 38. I don't think it's going to be that type of game either because I think Louisville's going to get a lot of open looks. They're going to get a lot of offensive rebound chances, which if there's one thing Louisville's done well over the course of two games, I would argue it's that they've crashed the offensive glass fairly consistently. They've done it. They've done a decent job of that. And on the other end, then the one thing that Louisville's kind of done defensively is be able to force turnovers and Indiana is very carefree with the basketball. So I, I look at those three things. If Louisville's able to, to hit three pointers, which, we don't know if they can do that. 
But if they can, I truly think they can keep things interesting on, on Monday against Indiana. I don't know. If the, I don't think they'll be able to win the game because at the end of the day, I think, you know, Indiana has more talent on the roster. They're they're better coached than Louisville. But I, I, I think I think Louisville can make it interesting on Monday. That's not something I thought I would be saying a week ago. Yeah, um, I, I also think Indiana, you might be a little surprised how they come out against Connecticut. I mean, that's going to be something where those guys are jacked up. You go through the Florida Gulf Coast. They're a talented team. And, yeah, you talked about some of their their um, shortcomings on the defensive end and, and some of the things that they're doing. But they do have talent. And I think they'll I think they'll give Connecticut a little better game than, than people expect. Um, but then again, Monday, it, it'll be just fascinating to see um, which team shores up some of the problems that they have and are more consistent. Yeah. yeah, because right now both teams are struggling with just conceptually understanding what they want to do. Um, I, I still think that IU's got a chance to 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 you know to battle Connecticut. I think Connecticut will come away with that one. And then Monday, look, you know, you you only have a day prep too, so it's not like you have a lot of time to. You're really prepping for Texas when you're Louisville. You're prepping for Connecticut when you're IU. You know, you have somebody on your staff that's looking at uh, Louisville from the Indiana end and vice versa. But you're not going to be as familiar. So basically, you have to have great concepts. And if you don't, if you're not consistent with what you do, then you can really, really struggle. And that game could look really messy um, if, yeah. if, if that's the case. <laughs> it really could because those are two teams that don't shoot the ball great, don't take care of the ball great, leave dudes wide yeah. open on the perimeter, and don't clean up the defensive glass. That, that That's a yeah. poor pretty game for a pretty ugly game on Monday, which is, you know, something pretty sad for two programs that are traditionally probably, you know, one, two of the top seven, eight, nine, ten programs in the sport. But I, I, I think, you know, with Florida Gulf Coast is one thing. Like, that's a team picked to win their league. They're, they're you know, legit. You know, kind of like Chattanooga or like James Madison beat Michigan State. That, they're they're legit mid-major team. Army, 338th and Ken Palm, they lost by double digits to Maris and, and Stonehill. Like, that's, that, that's a little bit more – Again, long season, all that stuff, but maybe a little more trouble saying to where if you're on the Louisville end, though, you'd say, okay, maybe that's a chance to be able to compete a little bit more than what, what you thought. Obviously, still another week to go there, so both teams have chances to improve. All right, I know um, uh, we got to get going here, Coach. Um, uh, appreciate the time. As always, we'll do this again next week. Hopefully, you get out to New York because I know that would be – Hopefully, I'm getting a yeah. slice. Hopefully, I'm getting a nice hot pastrami. That's, that's the goal of Dr. Brown's. That's the goal, Jack. That's Absolutely. The goal. That's the that's the absolute dream. So we'll be back next week, your Thanksgiving week edition here on Floyd Street's Finest for Coach Mark Lieberman. I'm Jack Grossman. We'll catch you next time.